Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. It's wake-up call 099, Christmas Angels. Wow, 099, that's pretty close to 100. (laughs) Hey, this is the Faith for My Generation podcast, and I'm so thankful that you're watching and that you're listening and that you're part of the faithful, those that gather all... Good morning, this is your wake-up call. It's wake-up call 099, Christmas Angels. This is the Faith for My Generation podcast. I'm your host, and happy to be so, AJ. I'm so glad that you're watching and that you're listening. Man, 099, that's real close to 100. That's right, the next wake-up call that we'll have beginning the new year, just so happens it's going to be on January 1st, will be our 100th wake-up call and like our 200th and... 18th episode or something like that. But today is 099, Christmas Angels. I want to look at several portions of Scripture that do with uh, that deal with what we might call the Christmas story. And of course, last week on that wake-up call, we looked at gifts for a king concerning the Magi, the wise men. If you missed it, go check it out. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Of course, I'm a little biased. But today, I wanted to look at several portions of scripture and see how angels were involved in the coming of Christ Jesus. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and throw out a warning here. This is not an exhaustive list of what angels do. And I would imagine probably when I get done, I'm going to end up finding, you may even know some as you're listening, like shouting to me, AJ, there's these other instances as well. You know, we probably could even go to Old Testament where we see angels, how they were involved concerning prophecy of Jesus. But specifically in Luke and Matthew, uh, and much of what we call the Christmas story, we want to. I want to look at how angels were involved. Now, first off, again, not exhaustive, not complete, but just generally speaking, and maybe there's something I miss. If there is, hey, just say it out loud wherever you're listening. That way, at least you know that you you know some things about angels as well. But let's think about this. Uh, who are angels? Angels are spiritual beings. There are good angels. There's bad angels. There's angels that live in heaven. There are fallen angels that are in he- uh, the kingdom of hell. Satan uh, that have followed Satan when he tried to raise himself up against the Lord. Satan is believed to be a uh, archangel, a high angel, right? Uh, that had a high position of of possibly leading worship in the kingdom of heaven before he was raised up. He raised himself up in pride. But of course, we see many angels all through scripture. They are messengers for God. They are warriors. They work in the kingdom. There are different levels and different types of angels. Just reading this morning, Revelation 5, it said, a strong angel asked a question in heaven, who is worthy to open the scrolls, which of course it was the Lamb, Christ Jesus, but he was a strong angel. So there are many types of angels. There are cherubim, seraphim, living creatures. There's these different spiritual beings that we might all class in the angel class or spiritual being class, and again, good and evil. Now, uh, Hebrews chapter 1 
Verse 14, or verse 13 rather, says this, But to which of the angels said he, the Father, at any time, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Of course, the Father spoke that to the Son, but not to angels. Verse 14, it says this, Are they, angels, not all ministering spirits, sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Let me read that one more time. Concerning angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be angel or who shall be heirs of salvation? So we see there is a connection of angelic beings, heavenly angelic beings, supernatural beings, spiritual beings that are in the work of ministering to the saints to those who are the heirs of salvation. And very much as a natural kingdom is set up and you have a king who sends out decrees and orders and then those under him carry out those orders, so do angelic beings. And of course we see, you know, like I'm reading through the book of Daniel and the last few days left of my reading plan for the year. Uh, I'm in the book of Daniel right now and we see when Daniel sets his face to pray and fast. He doesn't know how long he's going to have to, he's going to pray and fast. It happens to be 21 days. When he gets done praying and fasting, an angel comes to him, it's the angel archangel Mar- uh, Michael, who is the prince of Israel. So there's a connection there with the archangel Michael and Israel, the people of Israel, and he's warring against the prince of Persia, which is a fallen angel which is a demonic angel that is in the kingdom of hell. And they are warring against each other because that demonic angel, that prince of Persia, and then later the prince of Greece, uh, does not want Michael to get through with the answer to Daniel's prayer. So it's interesting. There's a spiritual war taking place, and it involves not just you and I, who are spirit beings, though we are clothed in these earth suits. We have these natural habitations. We call them bodies. Uh, And we engage in spiritual warfare and prayer and preaching of the gospel and winning people to Christ and building the church and worshiping the Lord and honoring Him with our lives. But there also is involved angels and demons, angels and fallen angels, demonic spirits and heavenly spirits. And I want us to look at a couple different occurrences of angels and how they interacted with people concerning the birth of Christ. The first place I want to take you to is actually a few months before Jesus is born probably more so a year or so. It's Luke chapter 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were well advanced in years. So it was that he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division according to the custom of the priesthood. His lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people was praying outside the hour of incense. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zacharias, standing on the right hand of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Now notice, any time in Scripture... Someone sees an angel, they're immediately struck with fear. So this, you know, Hebrews tells us to, to, to always be on the guard, do what we need to do because we may entertain angels unaware. So there must be a time where angels can, I don't know, clothe themselves in more so what looks like humanity so that you and I would just think it's a normal person. 
But then there's also other times, whether it's what they physically look like or whether it's the presence that they carry. Either way, when these angelic beings show up somewhere, nine times out of ten, the first thing they tell people is, don't be afraid. Notice this, verse 13, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, because he was fearful. Some, you know, he, One, he doesn't expect anyone to be in this place. He's going in to do worship. It's the lot in that... The Levitical priesthood, they took turns, basically. They basically had tours, kind of like a military tour has so much time they spend in a, in a battlefield. These Levitical priesthoods, they would leave their homes and go serve in the temple for a period of time when it was their turn or their opportunity to do so. Of course, he wasn't expecting anyone to be in there. And here is this angelic being, this supernatural person, spiritual being standing there. He says, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So notice, Zacharias, Elizabeth, they're praying because this angel says, hey, your prayer is heard. And not only is it heard, but it is so, mm, I'm going to say important, but all prayers are important when they're prayed in faith and when they're a desire that you have. They're certainly important to you and me. But this was a specific prayer that had to be answered, not just by its answer in bringing to pass what you pray for, but this angelic messenger, this angel of the Lord, has been sent from God to directly answer the prayer and more so give instruction concerning the answer. And it's about the son that they will have that will become John the Baptist. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man. My wife is well advanced in years. Nice play, Zacharias. Notice he says, I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. <laughs> He didn't say me and my wife are both old. No, I'm the old guy. She is well advanced in years. Nice play, Zacharias. The angel answered and said to him, Notice, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings, this good news. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not Believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now, this took a little bit because when Zacharias finally comes out, all the people are marveling. They're like, what's going on? He, then he comes out, he can't speak, and he does not speak until John is born. When John is born, then he says, you know, uh, or right before when they decide to given his name, because in Jewish culture, first the child would be born, and then some days later, when they consecrate that child to the Lord, then they would name the child. Elizabeth says his name will be John. Some people are like, wait a minute, that's not even a name in your family. Are you sure about that? Zacharias writes it on a, on a tablet, his name will be John, and then his mouth is opened back up again, and under the unction of the Holy Spirit, he prophesies concerning John and Jesus. But what I wanted you to see there is a couple interesting things. One, whenever an angel shows up, they're carrying the glory of God. Maybe it's also physically they look different. Uh, we can see in Scripture there are different types of angels that look very 
amazing. Those angels, they're seraphim in the book of Isaiah. Six wings, six eyes. You know, you look, read in the book of Revelation these different angelic beings. Uh, these cherubim that are, I believe it's outside the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword. There certainly is physical characteristics about them that are that will strike awe in the person, right? Will make you, <laughs> I don't know, wet your pants. <laughs> <laughs> be deathly afraid? The first thing they say is, hey, don't be afraid. Okay, now we've got that out of the way. Let's talk. Which, you know, you think about it. It's kind of like someone's about, you know, they're scared to death. And the first thing you're like, hey, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. I don't know. Maybe when they speak, there's just comfort. <laughs> but generally speaking, when someone's afraid and you're like, hey, don't be afraid, that usually doesn't work. But nonetheless, that's always what they say first. Don't be afraid. And then he begins to give this instruction concerning his son, John the Baptist. Now, what's interesting, because you're going to, when we read this second encounter of angels concerning uh, the birth of Christ, you're going to be like, wait a minute. That's not fair, but it is fair. Zacharias was struck mute, so he couldn't speak doubt and unbelief and go around saying all these things that were not true and going against the testimony of God. Oh, that can't happen. I'm too old. My wife's advanced in years. da 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 da, da. Because Gabriel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent here to give you this instruction. And he said, because you did not believe my words, there was doubt there. There was, there was no faith there. Now think about it. Zacharias, he's a priest of the tribe of Levi. He is a righteous man of God, verse 6. He walks in the ways of God and the commandments of God, the ordinances of God. Him and his wife have been praying. Their prayers answered. He should be rejoicing. Rather, he's doubting. He knows as a Hebrew man of faith, he knows the story and testimony of Abraham and Sarah who were old and had children. He knows the testimony of Isaac and Rebekah. She was barren. They had children. Of Jacob and Leah, Jacob and Rachel. He knows. Exodus 23, 25 and 26, the Lord said, And when you serve me, in that day that you serve me, I will bless your food and water. I will remove sickness from your midst. I will cast out barrenness and miscarriage, and I will fulfill the number of your days. He's a man of the law. He's a man of the word. He knows it. But just because you have head knowledge doesn't mean you have heart faith. And that's why his mouth was shut up, because our words carry power, because our words carry faith or doubt. Now, first, or Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Let's continue to read. Now, in the sixth, this is the second account of angels concerning the birth of Christ. We can't go past John. I didn't want to go past him because John, he is the one who goes forth as the voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He is so knit together concerning the ministry of Christ. He goes through like a man on fire, burning up Israel uh, spiritually per se with this message of repentance, preparing the way for Christ. He is so closely connected to ushering in in the spirit of Elijah, the spirit and power of Elijah, turning fathers and children toward one another and the disobedient, as it says in Luke 1 and 17, turning up hearts, getting them ready to hear the word. Hallelujah. How we need John the Baptist today to stir up hearts to repentance. Now we go to Luke 1 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. 
virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled, fearful. There it was at his saying, Consider what manner of greeting this was. I mean, you know, hello. You don't normally are sitting at your house and all of a sudden the angel Gabriel who stands in the presence of God just shows up like, hey, wow, God really loves you and he's got a plan for you. You know, like, thank God for that, but this is a little alarming. <laughs> Verse 30, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid. There it is again. Mary, for you have found favor with God. Wow. Hallelujah. May we find favor with God. We have in Christ Jesus. Verse 31, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now notice that. Again, proclamation of good news. You're going to have a son. His name will be Jesus. There's instruction concerning the news. God's always, He is very specific. Now notice this, verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? Now you might think, well, uh-oh, she's going to get in trouble because Zachariah said, How can this be because I'm old? But what he was asking had already been done time and time and time again. What Mary is asking is something that is outside the order of God's creation. She's like, Oh, how am I going to have a son again? I'm not married. I'm engaged, but, you know, we will not in, interact in sexual relationship until after marriage. So, like, how am I a virgin with no interaction sexually with a man going to have a son? Right? It's not, it's not just what Zacharias was saying. Well, we're just old. Well, Abraham and Isaac were too, and you know that. For Mary, it was, this is not, this isn't even in the, in the order that which God creates where a man and woman come together to have a child. And it obviously was not in doubt because Gabriel knew when it was with Zacharias, and this time he doesn't bring anything against her. No accusation of doubt here. Verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and is now in the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May that be our prayer. That should be our prayer as believers, as it was with Mary, who was just a sinful a human dead in sin in need of a Savior like every other person that's ever walked the planet. She too responded to God in faith when she heard the good news coming from the mouth of Gabriel, the angel of the Lord. And she said, let it be to me according to your word. That would be good for you to say right now to the Lord in faith, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Anything in your word you've promised to me and afforded to me by the blood of Christ, let it be to me according to your word. May I never fall down to the depths of doubt or unbelief, but rather let it be to me according to your word in Jesus' name. So that's the second instance where we see angels and their involvement concerning the birth of Christ. We see this angel Gabriel the messenger of God from the throne room of God goes specifically to Mary to give her instruction of what will take place and is to happen. Now, 
later on, the Holy Spirit supernaturally puts that seed from God inside of her womb because she could not bear the Son of God through natural means, through the seed of man, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12 tells us that by one man, Adam's sin entered the earth. So something had to supernaturally take place that was outside of the flow of mankind. It is what Genesis 3.15 is told to Satan, that the seed of the woman will crush your head. You may bruise his heel, Satan, but you will. your head will be crushed by the seed of the woman. It was something that was supernaturally brought into the earth from heaven by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. The third occurrence that we see concerning angels and the birth of Christ is Joseph. Joseph, who is a righteous man, he's a godly man and a God-fearing man. He is engaged to Mary and, of course, he has not had any relationship sexually with Mary, his betrothed, but here she is pregnant. And, you know, let's be honest. Has he been told by Mary what the situation is? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It doesn't say it explicitly that Mary told him, you know, the deal or what was going on or what the angel said. We don't know that. But uh, even if she did tell Joseph, be real with yourself. What if you're Joseph and your betrothed, your engaged wife says, yes, I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. An angel came and told me I'm going to have the Son of God. I'm going to, you know, the Messiah that we as the Hebrew people have learned of from our youth and the prophets have prophesied of for a couple thousand years now. That's the child I'm going to have. Be real with yourself. If you were Joseph, wouldn't you probably be like, okay, you know what, Mary, I love you, but I don't think this is going to work out. I don't know. I mean, maybe you would be, maybe not, maybe not, but uh, it would be a great, great level of trust to hear that and just be like, oh, okay, sounds great, cool, all right, let's go with it. Notice this, Matthew 1.18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, an upright man, a good man, not wanting to make a public example of her. He didn't want to hurt her. He didn't want to make a fool of her, throw her out in public. She's pregnant and ain't by me. You know, you find out, guys, whatever. It was not by me, though. She's out of here. He's not going to do that. He decided to put her away secretly. Let's just call it off. You know what? We'll go our own way. We don't have to make a big deal about it. Let's just do it quietly for for your sake. That's, I mean, that that's very godly. Very godly. Verse 20, but while he thought about these things, so he's thinking about it, he's pondering about it. So maybe Mary did conversate with him. He's thinking about something. Notice, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. There it is again, third time. Don't be afraid. To take to you, Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She'll bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus, for you will, he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him 
his wife, and did not know her, sexually know her, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So the third instance we see here of angelic interaction is when they sp- when this angel of the Lord speaks to Joseph. Who's this angel of the Lord? Is it Gabriel as well? Well, we don't see his name specifically. Is there only one angel of the Lord or is there multiple angels of the Lord? Is angel of the Lord a specific title, like a hierarchy, a chain of command? It certainly seems there's a chain of command in heaven and in hell that there are lesser and greater spiritual beings in service and in power. I don't know. Maybe that would be a good thing for us to do, to look through Scripture and study as homework. But notice what Joseph did. He received the word of the Lord by way of this messenger angel. Number four, the fourth time that we see angels involved at the birth of Christ. You know, when Jesus is born, something out of this world is taking place. Literally, it's not just a phrase. It's not a cliche, but literally something out of this world is is changing. God is becoming, coming in flesh. Word is taking on flesh and being birthed into the earth. Amazing, amazing. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, watching, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has known, made known to us. And then they went to go see this child that had been born. And Mary and Joseph, you know, they see these shepherds showing up. Mary keeps all these things to herself, ponders them in the heart, what the shepherds have said concerning these angels. Then the shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen that was told to them by an angel. The angel of the Lord visits the shepherds, who are out in the fields. So, you know, probably there's two times, I believe it is, when lambs are born, spring and fall, roughly March, March, April time, September, October time. And that's where they're, that's when shepherds live in the field. Other than that, they're in the mountains, going up and down in the mountains and valleys for feeding. But it's when the, <clears throat> excuse me, it's when the fields have been cut at harvest time and all the grain has been cut and their stubble that's when the shepherds drive the sheep through the cut fields and the sheep mow down all that stubble so that the fields can be ready to be planted again and grow back up and so that's why they're living in the fields they've driven their sheep their herds out of the mountains and valleys into the cut fields that had just been harvested and the angel of the lord speaks to them tells them what's taking place delivers this great news that there is a Savior who has been born, and His name is Christ. He was born in Bethlehem, even as the prophet said. As the prophet spoke, 
which is Micah 5.2, tells us that specifically. Five, six hundred years before Christ is born, the prophet says, O you Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you were small, right? That, that, that's where Jesus is born. Now, the last two occurrences of angels concerning the birth of Christ really is not at his birth. Well, one's at his birth, but one is when he's just a little bit older, maybe a few years old. It's Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord, that's referring they that departed, the Magi, the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there till I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by the night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son." which is Numbers 24, 8, and Hosea 11, 1, both prophecies concerning Christ. An angel of the Lord comes to warn Mary and Joseph, more specifically Joseph. This angel of the Lord comes to Joseph. Again, it's interesting with Joseph, both times it says an angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream. In Matthew 1 and Matthew 2, it's in a dream. And if you go to Matthew two nineteen, the last one we'll look at, it's in a dream. I don't know exactly what that implies, but I mean, obviously it's in a dream, but why not just openly speaking to, to Joseph? It's, it's interesting. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly why each time an angel speaks to him, it's in a dream, but it is. All three times it is. After these wise men leave, they realize, Herod realizes he's been duped because he told the wise men, of course, they were divinely warned in a dream Matthew 2:12 then being divinely warned in a warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod they departed for their own country another way so the wise men go home a different way they came Herod then finds out when he finds out he says okay we couldn't find out where this <clears throat> one king that has been born so we could kill him all right let's kill every male hebrew 2 years and younger can't find the one we'll kill them all Oh, my goodness, what a murderous spirit that was in Herod. He was very, very wicked. I think I mentioned this on the last uh, wake-up call, Gifts for a King, but Herod, he killed his wife, he killed his two brothers, and he went through about nine other wives for political associations, and he was murderous and adulterous and wicked. He had purchased his throne from Rome, and he had no intentions of giving it up. So when he hears of a king, he thinks, we'll get him. And when he can't get just the one, all right, kill all the boys. Well, you know, we'll take, we will get them even if it means we kill thousands of the boys if we need to. Well, unfortunately, he does. But Herod doesn't live forever. Matthew 2.19. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the angel excuse me, took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. And they decide to live in Nazareth, which fulfills another prophecy. So there we have it. By my count, six different occurrences of angels and how they're involved concerning the birth of Christ, beginning with the prophecy and the birth of John the Baptist, who's so closely connected
the birth of Christ was just a supernatural, miraculous, universe, universally, universal, changing the universe, I guess is what I'm trying to say, shifting the course of humanity for the good of humanity, for those that would put their faith in Christ. I want to leave you with this last passage concerning angels and you and I concerning our protection. You know, these spiritual beings that we looked at, many of them carrying messages, directing, divine direction. We opened it up with Hebrews 1, 13 and 14, how they're ministers to the saints, to those who are heirs of the promise. I want to leave you with this. Psalm 34, verse 7 says this, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. You and I, we have angelic protection. We have, we can be led by angels in a sense. You know, you look in the book of Acts, Psalm 91, or excuse me, the book of Acts, Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is instructed by an, by an angel what to do. You know, there's angels that show up in the lives of believers that lead and direct and guide. An angel wakes up Peter when they're getting, when he's breaking them out of jail. <laughs> uh, Psalm 91, 11, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. So there are angels that are involved in our life. Uh, we see it in the early church in the book of Acts, in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation. There are these angelic beings, they are these spiritual beings that do the bidding and instruction of the Lord and they are involved in the ministry of salvation. Interesting. It would be fun to go through an even more in-depth understanding of angels. But with that being said, that's what I have for you today. I'm so thankful for you. I pray that as we continue to approach uh, this Christmas, the day of Christmas, during this Christmas season, that you would understand that the entire reason that we celebrate and it's fun to have time with our friends our family exchange gifts love people show love toward one another eat good food hang out and enjoy ourselves slow down a little bit so that we're not just about the hustle and bustle of what is going on in daily life but actually talking to people loving people spending time with our family and precious loved ones that we realize that the reason we celebrate what we call christmas is because christ has been born, and he has brought salvation to mankind. We put our faith in him. We've received the greatest gift we can receive. Hey, I'm so thankful for you. I pray that in all your days and in all your ways that you would put Christ right there where he is rightly deserved, the center of it all, enthroned in your heart. And I will catch you next time. I know you will be faithful because we are the faithful. I'll see you next time on Wake Up Call 100. I hope you have a great rest of your week. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.